Everybody knows that you need to get out of your comfort zone. If you want to grow, if you want to change. For some of you, it might have been part of a New Year's resolution or the New Year's resolution of a friend or a family member. Uh, But honestly, how many of you have gotten tired of the cliché? The fact is that all clichés have a little bit of truth in them. A person's comfort zone is called that for a reason. It's a place of comfort, it's a place of safety and security, uh, but it can also be a place of stagnation. One that keeps you from seizing opportunities for growth because it involves something unfamiliar or uncomfortable. Life coaches, inspirational social media gurus, and self-help books will tell you that you need to get out of your comfort zone, to take on new challenges, to push yourself into new things. New York Times bestselling author and podcaster Tim Ferriss has a unique approach to becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. Uh, In order to get used to doing things that are outside your comfort zone, uh, Ferriss suggests things like negotiate for the price of your cup of coffee at Starbucks. As you're walking down the street, just go up and hug a random stranger. You should probably ask them first, but you know. When you're out in public, next time just lay down on the ground. Just lay there, 10, 15 seconds. See, each of these things feels uncomfortable. It feels outside the norm, and it's geared towards getting you comfortable with doing uncomfortable things. It's about freeing yourself from the fear and the pressure that comes with leaving your comfort zone in what is a relatively meaningless way, like Starbucks or a random stranger, so that when you need to leave your comfort zone in a way that matters, in a meaningful way like asking for a raise, giving a presentation, meeting with a client, you've eliminated that fear and the pressure of leaving your comfort zone. Or at least you've acclimated yourself to leaving your comfort zone. There's a lot of things that make me uncomfortable. Uh, Needles make me very uncomfortable, but I did survive getting my flu shot this year. Uh, My wife forced me. And I only cried just a little bit. And I haven't given blood yet, but there's a group of young adults that is pushing me, and maybe one day they'll succeed. Preaching makes me uh, a little uncomfortable. Less so the more I do it, Uh, and I hope I'm doing a good job covering that up, but uh, I still get nervous every time I come to the platform. Lately, though, I've been wrestling with something that is both part of my comfort zone and at the same time very much outside my comfort zone, something that I experience and live in every day, and that's the gospel. The gospel is literally translated as good news, And it's the good news of Jesus Christ that I find my comfort and assurance in. It's where I find my hope and my peace. It's a foundational part of my life. Uh, The good news, the gospel is a core piece of my comfort zone. Uh, And if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. The good news is not something that only brings us comfort, but it's something that pushes us out of our comfort zones. And the question each of us will have to wrestle through today as we go through our passage is, has slash is the good news making me uncomfortable? Because if it hasn't made you uncomfortable, if the good news isn't making you uncomfortable, then you don't know how good it is.
If you turn with me to the book of Romans, we'll dive into our passage. Romans is towards the back of the Bible. It's in the second half, which we call the New Testament. Uh, The big numbers are the chapter numbers. The small numbers are the verse numbers. Uh, If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, if you want one on your phone everywhere you go, you can go to Bible.com and they have downloads for every device and you can have one with you and follow along there. Uh, Or in this room, in the seat backs in front of you, there's Bibles as well. If you're not familiar with the Bible, the book of Romans is written by a man named Paul to the church in Rome. Uh, and his overarching theme comes to us out of two verses in chapters, chapter 1, uh, verse 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous by faith will live. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is God's power to save everyone who believes, both Jews and non-Jews. And the entire book of Romans is a reflection on what the gospel is, who it's for, and how it is lived out in the lives of the Roman church. And so today we'll be spending our time in Romans 10, 9 through 17, and talking about how the good news is so good that it makes us uncomfortable. Romans 10, 9 to 10 reads, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The good news of Christ is that he came to the world, he died on a cross, he defeated death, and he was resurrected to save us from our sins. We can take comfort in that good news. And today, as we come to the communion table, it's a representative act that we do to remember the body and the life that was given for us. Prior to his death, Jesus was gathered with the disciples and he broke bread as a symbol of his body being given to us. And he passed the cup as an example of his blood being poured out for us. The fact that the gospel is to us is the greatest comfort that we can have. Now, for those of you in the room who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, this may be the point where the gospel starts to make you uncomfortable. You may not be at a place where you feel you understand uh, and believe in the things that we talk about on a Sunday. You may still be exploring faith and the Bible and what some of those things mean, and that's okay. Uh, Maybe you believe in God, but you're struggling to accept Jesus, or you believe in Jesus, but you struggle with the resurrection. Maybe you understand these things conceptually, but it isn't something that you believe in your heart. Maybe you haven't moved to uh, living that out externally. If that is you, Pastor Rick, Dave, Mel, or myself would love to meet with you. We'd love to chat. Uh, We can be here in front of the stage following the service and in Renew at the, the prayer circle to the side of the stage. We'd love to talk with you through some of those questions you might be have and point you towards some potential next steps that might be right for you as you continue to explore those ideas. Another option, as Rick just mentioned, is Alpha. Uh, and Alpha is a course that we offer as a church that's an opportunity to explore faith. It's a safe place to ask difficult questions and to process where you are in your faith journey. And our next Sunday morning Alpha starts on January 19th, and all the details are online at erbc.ca slash alpha. And now is the time that you can step out of your comfort zone. So I'd encourage you to press into asking some of those difficult questions. Press into exploring your faith and wrestling with some of these difficult truths that you're working through. And we'd love to be a part of doing that for you.
those of us that are believers, we also experience a little bit of discomfort in the gospel. See, the good news that we've come to know is not just a one-and-done moment. Uh, it is not just a singular prayer or a moment of confession. See, the good news of Jesus bids us to give all of ourselves to all of God. Uh, you may not be able to tell. It has been a few years since I ran a 5K. <laughs> to be frank with all of you, I went to the gym a total of one time in 2019. Just one. That one moment of hitting the weights and running some laps on the track might have been a start, uh, but I'm not fully in shape. It didn't change my whole life. It was just a moment. And much like our physical shape and our physical health, our spiritual health comes out of consistent and continual progress. Paul uses this metaphor in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Like our physical health, our spiritual health is more than a one-and-done affair. It's a continual process where we give more of ourselves over to God. To experience change and growth takes continual effort. And one image that I love to help communicate this is a Venn diagram. See, on this side, on this side, we have all of us. And on this side, there we go, we have all of God. And at some moment, there is an initial connection where we come into relationship with God. We get to know him. But as we grow in our self-awareness, we're able to give more of ourselves to God. And as we grow in our relationship with God and grow in our God awareness, then we're able to give ourselves over to more of God. Each of us should be pushing ourselves to be more in line with God, to give all of ourselves to all of God. If you feel like you haven't been growing in your relationship with Christ, uh, if you feel that you haven't been challenged in your relationship with Christ, then it's likely that you're remaining in your comfort zone. Just that little sliver of the Venn diagram, that you're not pushing yourself to be more in line with God, to give more of yourself to him, to know more about him and give yourself to more of him as you come to understand him more. If that's you, it might be time to get out of your comfort zone. That might mean taking steps in different areas. It might mean giving your finances over to God. It might mean becoming more active in giving. You may want to check out the personal finance course coming up in just a few weeks. For some of you, it might mean committing to more consistent Bible reading. Uh, something that Mel's going to talk about next week is some of the tools and things that are coming that can help you grow in that area. There are so many areas of ourselves that we slowly and continually give over to God. Because if the good news is not helping you give all of yourself to all of God, then you don't realize how good it is.
The gospel is not only to us, but it is also for all people. Romans 10, 11 to 13 reads, as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, most of us have an understanding that the good news is for all people. The passage itself says the gospel is for anyone who believes. It's for Jews and Gentiles. It's for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Anybody and everybody. And the danger in our world is that we are too exclusive with our faith. Whereas Paul's actually writing about the danger of being too inclusive. See, the Jewish people believed that the gospel was God's news to them, not to all people. You can read about this conflict through most of the New Testament. Uh, one main passage, if you'd like to dig into it, is Acts chapter 15. And you can read that on your own time, but that covers a lot of some of the tension between the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians. See, the church is rooted in Jewish history. And so as the church evolved uh, in early history, there's a lot of tension about who was allowed in, who could be in the meetings, how they had to act, what rules they had to follow, how in line with the law they had to be. Many Jewish believers taught that to become a part of Christianity meant first meeting every requirement of the Jewish law, being circumcised, following food laws, and their greatest fear was that the church would be too inclusive. It'd be too open to letting people in. They had to put up artificial barriers to make sure that only people that really fit in came into the church. This is especially true in the Roman church, because in the year 49, the Roman Emperor Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome. You read about it in Acts chapter 18, but over the years, Jews began to trickle back into Rome. They were coming in one by one. Uh, and so Paul is writing this letter to a church that grew up very much separate from Jewish influence and now has all the Jews coming back. And there's this new sense of tension. We live in a very different political climate, a very different world than Paul. Uh, we don't fear the church is too inclusive, uh, like the early Jewish believers, but we fear that the church might be too exclusive. We fear that the gospel excludes too many people. Barna is a faith-based research group uh, out of the States. They do research on culture, on church trends, uh, on a lot of things. And in 2018 and 2019, they did a study on evangelism, on faith sharing among different generations. Uh, and since I'm a bit of a math nerd, I'm going to give you guys some statistics this morning. Yes. When asked the question, does part of my faith mean being a witness about Jesus, 95% of elders and baby boomers said, yes. 97% of Gen X said, yes. And 96% of millennials said, yes. When asked if the best thing that could happen to somebody is for someone to come to know Jesus Christ, 97% of elders, baby boomers, and Gen X said yes, and 90% of millennials said yes. The one that gets me, though, is this question, and it's, is it wrong to share your beliefs with someone in hopes that they will one day share your faith? 20% of elders said yes, it's wrong. 
19% of baby boomers said it's wrong. 27% of Gen X said it's wrong. And 47% of millennials said that it is wrong to share your faith with someone in hopes that they would come to believe the same thing that you do. With 90% agreement, on average, Christians say that the gospel is for all people and that it's the best thing that can happen to a person. And between 20 and 47% of Christians have fallen into belief that sharing our faith is wrong. We feel that the gospel is too exclusive. And rather than offend people, push people with it, to make people feel outside, we simply don't share it. But the truth is, the gospel is the most inclusive reality in the whole world. The gospel is for all people in every generation, of every skin tone and racial background. It is for people of every gender, religious background, and sexuality. The good news is that Jesus died for each and every person on this earth. It is not wrong to share the gospel. The gospel is for all people, and when we decide not to share it, it is at that moment that we become exclusive. The moment we don't share with the gospel is the moment that we exclude somebody from the faith community and the family of God that we are a part of. If the good news is not making you see God's heart for those around you, then you don't realize how good it is. Even when we understand that the gospel is for all people, we often struggle to own it in a practical sense. Romans 10, 14 to 17 reads, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The good news is to us. The good news is for all people. And the good news is for all people through us. There's a clear logic laid out in this passage. People will only call on Jesus if they believe that he can save them. Uh, they're only going to believe in Jesus if they know about him. And they're only going to know about him if somebody is teaching. And they're only going to teach if they have been sent. As Christians, we understand that the good news is for those who... That, yeah. Excuse me. As Christians, we understand that the good news is for those who believe, and we understand that God's heart is that each one of us would come to believe. But what often makes us uncomfortable is that the good news goes to everyone through us. We become uncomfortable when we need to personally own the message. And oftentimes, the uncomfort, the discomfort factor is knowing where to start. So I want to give you three practical ways that you can start engaging people that you can be a part of giving the message for all people through you. Life Shared. If you've been around Ellerslie over the last couple months, you've probably heard of Life Shared. 
Uh, it is a three-week course a number of our small groups have done. Uh, three of our four young adults groups did it. We ran it as a Sunday morning uh, semester class in November. And it is a three-week course on how to share your faith. It helps you understand why we share our faith. Uh, it gives you some practical ways to have a conversation about faith. Uh, session three is a lot of practical ways that you can just engage with people in the community around you. Uh, and so session three uh, features Jay Pathak. He's the lead pastor of Mile High Vineyard Church in Colorado. Uh, and in this session, I love the story, Jay is sharing a crisis that he had. Because one day he came home from working at the church, pulled into his driveway, only to see that his wife had put the barbecue on the front porch and invited the neighbors over. Could it really be that easy to get to know one of your neighbors, to know somebody's name, to have a conversation and share a meal with them? All they did was invite people over for dinner. This was a man who is a, an expert in community engagement, in philosophy, in ways to engage people with apologetics and to share the message of the gospel. And his crisis is that his wife just started inviting people over and it was too easy. Now to live out something like this, it's a little uncomfortable because uh, if you want to follow the plan, you have to do two things. Number one, you're going to have to walk 20 to 30 steps across your yard to your neighbor's front door. Uh, number two, you're going to have to knock on the door and invite them over. A third thing that might be uncomfortable is you might have to ask their name if you don't know it or if you've forgotten it. If a course like that interests you, I'm happy to send you the videos and the discussion guides. You can go through it with yourself, with some friends, or as a small group. We'd love to give you that tool. Another tool that Jay shares is something called the Neighborhood Grid. Uh, if you live in a classic suburb, uh, it's going to look a little something like a tic-tac-toe board. If you live in a corner house, if you live in an apartment, it's going to be a little different, but we're just going to picture it. As you picture a tic-tac-toe board, in the very middle is your house. And if you live in a classic suburb, uh, you likely have a neighbor to the left. You likely have a neighbor on the right side. You probably share your back fence with somebody. There's probably a house across the street. There's people diagonally next to those ones, next to the ones behind you. It is the eight other squares around your house, the eight people living in closest proximity to you. How many people in this room could fill in a grid with the names of every single person that shares a property line with them? Do you know the names of everyone in those eight houses? Do you know the names of half of them? Do you know any? If you're looking for a place to start connecting with people, I'd say go meet your neighbors. A second practical way you can engage is Alpha. Uh, I talked about Alpha earlier, but it's a great course for people that want to explore Christianity. And there's a few ways you can get involved. Uh, one, you can invite somebody. If you know somebody who wants to explore Christianity, if you're at work having faith conversations with people, uh, if you're having good conversations with your neighbors, you've gotten to know them, an old friend, family members, invite them to Alpha. Invite them to come into a community and ask questions and engage with faith and have an hour and a half on Sunday of intentional conversation about it. 
You could also get involved serving or hosting Alpha. Last year, one couple from the church ran Alpha in their apartment complex. Uh, in just a few weeks, one of our young adults groups is going to be launching an Alpha as their small group curriculum. If you have a place that you're engaging with people and want to run an Alpha, if you have ideas on how to do that, we would love to come alongside you and resource you and equip you in reaching some of those people. Whether that's your apartment building, your workplace, a neighborhood association, wherever you're involved, we want to help you bring the gospel there. A third practical thing you can do is pray. Whether it's your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, your family members, it's important that we continue to pray for people that don't know Christ. Uh, Dave shared this a few months ago, but he said that he always prays for his non-Christian friends first because he's always going to make time to pray for his family. I like that. He wants to make sure that those people in his life that he is trying to engage with don't get forgotten. Who are you consistently praying for that doesn't know Christ? Two ways that Maddie and I are taking this challenge on personally. Uh, one, we don't live in a suburban neighborhood. We don't have a grid of eight houses around us. We live in an apartment building that has 24 units. And I know the names of people that live in two of them, including my own. <laughs> it's a sad year. And we just signed a lease to be there till next December. Uh, you know, I don't run into people shoveling snow or in the front yard. We don't have a yard. Uh, you know, occasionally a neighbor will yell while I'm cooking something on the balcony, but that's about it. It's a little bit awkward. The only time I really run into people is when I'm doing laundry, uh, which is maybe not the most uh, optimal place to have a faith conversation, but it could be a start. And so I'm committed myself over this next year that I want to know the names of people in 50% of the units in our building because I've met more than 50% of them, but I don't know the names of more than two people in our whole building. And I'm gonna be filling out a grid of all the units going, who lives here? Who lives there? How can I be praying for them? And I'm gonna have that at the end of next year to prove it, that that's something that I've done this year. A second way that I, I'm trying to own this personally over this next year is with the, the Young Adults Alpha. So we're launching one in just a few weeks uh, out of our Young Professionals group. That's going to be very exciting for them. Uh, and I'm committed to running at least one more over the course of this year to engage with our college and early career students, to try and engage with some of the university students that are around our young adults ministry uh, or have kind of floated in and out a little bit. So two young adults alphas and knowing the names of 50% of the people in my apartment building. Those are two things that you can hold me accountable to by December 31st. That's two ways that I'm stepping out of my comfort zone this year. What are you gonna do? If the good news hasn't empowered and inspired you to do your part in drawing people into God's family, then you don't realize how good it is. So has the good news made you uncomfortable? If it doesn't, if it hasn't, you haven't realized how good it is. If it's not helping you give all of yourself to all of God, you haven't realized how good the good news is. If it hasn't made you realize how God's heart is for every person, for all people, then you don't realize how good the good news is. 
If the good news hasn't empowered and inspired you to do your part in drawing people into God's family, then you haven't realized how good the good news is. What are you going to do in 2020? How are you going to step out of your comfort zone? Which of these three things do you need to grow in? And what practical steps are you going to take over this next year? As I close in prayer, let's just each take a moment to reflect on that, to think of the ways that we can step out of our comfort zone this year. God, thank you for the opportunity to bring your word to this congregation. God, thank you that your gospel, that the good news is for all people. Each and every one of us in this room, our neighbors, our coworkers, our colleagues, our friends. And God, as we step into a new year, as we begin here in January 2020, guide each one of us to a new step, to a practical way that we can step out of our comfort zone and grow in our faith, that we can give more of ourselves over to you, that we can recognize your heart for all people in this world, and that we can be empowered to invite people into your family. Amen.